Good morning. Before I get started with my lesson today, I want to remind you what Tucker said earlier today, that tonight we have our trunk or treat um, at 5 o'clock. So tonight in the auditorium at 5 o'clock we'll have the trunk or treat and then festivities will follow after that. So I hope you can join for that. Um, today I'm going to talk to you about something that I'm really passionate about talking about and something that I think we're all called to be a part of. And so you can see on the screen behind me, today we're going to be talking about the Great Commission to Make Disciples. This is something that um, our student ministry um, families have heard me talk a lot about already, and it's something that um, I could talk about for a long time. But it comes from Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20, and you can see that on the screen behind me. Then Jesus came to them and said, uh, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. Is that good news? That is, that is what we're going to be talking about today. And, and on the next slide, you'll see just this week, uh, we have ordered these T-shirts for our, our student ministry. And it's going to be a great reminder as we wear these to go out into our daily lives and remember this message that we are called to go into all of the world and make disciples. For some of you, you'll be called into other parts of the world. And some of you may go across the world to make disciples. But part of our world also includes Columbia. It also includes where you live. It includes the people that we interact with in our everyday lives. And so as we talk about this today, I pray that this message, um, I've been praying this week, that this message will encourage you. I pray that it encourages you in two ways. First, I pray that it encourages you to keep doing the good that you're already doing. A lot of you are already doing some great things towards discipleship, and I pray that you're encouraged by this today. And secondly, I pray that this encourages you to consider how can you be more intentional with discipleship? How can you be more involved in discipling other people? Um, we'll talk later about this, but I think all of us fall into two categories today. We either still need to choose to become a disciple, or you've already chosen to become a disciple, and so now you're on the team, and our job is to make disciples who, who will make disciples. So either make that decision for yourself, and if you've already made that, then we're on the team, and now it's time for us to go and make more disciples. Um, so this is called the Great Commission, but I think sometimes um, we, we dilute it and, and it would be considered what we do in church. Sometimes we would consider it the Good Commission. And what I mean by that is sometimes instead of going and making disciples of all nations, we go and make people who come to church and then they obey some of what I've commanded you. Sometimes we settle for the Good Commission, not the Great Commission. And, and we stop just short of the follow-through. The follow-through, we get somebody to get baptized, we get somebody to give their life to Christ, and then we stop just short of that, and, and we forget to follow up on that. And so my encouragement today will be that we take those next steps to foster that relationship and develop a faith that stays around. And so some of you may know a guy named Francis Chan. He's a preacher. Um, he was preaching in a church that kept growing and growing and growing, and it got into the thousands, and it would be considered what a lot of us would, would call a mega church. And he was preaching weekend after weekend to these ginormous crowds, like we sometimes would, would see Jesus do. But he, he got this conviction that he felt like maybe God was calling him not just to do that, but to make disciples. More than just preaching to the masses, God was laying it on his heart to go and make disciples. And so he became passionate about it and he left the church that he was at and he went to China and he's been back in America and he, and he, he talks about how it's so critical that, that we dive deeper into this and make disciples that last for a lifetime. And one of the things that he said as I've, as I've been thinking about this lesson and listened to some of his sermons is that he says Satan will do anything to keep us from making disciples. 
because he knows that's what will change the world. Satan will keep us from doing anything other than making disciples because he knows that's what will change the world. And I think there's two things that came to mind for us in America and probably for a lot of people in the world that Satan does really well to try to keep us from making disciples. I noticed this in my life, and you may notice it in yours too. I think that Satan gets us to be so busy and so comfortable that we forget to get involved in discipleship. We get so busy with sports and school and work and life that we get so caught up in and just doing life and coming to church that we forget that it's about making disciples. That's the true mission. And we might get so comfortable in our faith that, hey, I'm going to heaven. I know that. But what about my friends at school? What about the people I work with? What about those people in Columbia? I love that Mr. Phillip talked about we're a, we're a downtown church. A lot of people drive by this church. Not all of them believe in Jesus. Not all of them have given their life to God. And so let us keep that mission on our mind uh, today. So we're going to do a visual here in just a second. I've asked some students to help with this. So if you're one of the students that I've asked you to, to help, if you come to the front row right now, this will be your time to go ahead and come forward. I've asked 10 of our students to come forward and, and help me with something. Uh, so as they make their way down here, this is going to be um, a visual. You guys can go ahead and just sit on the front row for now. Micah, you'll go ahead and just sit there. Um, this is going to be looking at the next slide that, that says addition versus multiplication. If you were uh, one of our student ministry families um, that were there at Vision Wednesday, we kind of did a, we did a visual there that showed the difference between addition and multiplication. We're going to do something similar today. So look on the screen behind me. It says addition is adding Christians one at a time. Sometimes we, we think about how can we get more Christians? How can we get more people to give their lives to God, right? And, and oftentimes we think, what's the best way to do that? And church camp is normally a big one. Normally at church camp, they, they track how many people got baptized, and, and they say, hey, this year we had five people that got baptized this year. We had five people that gave their lives to Christ. Maybe it's at a conference. We go to uh, Winterfest, or we go on a, a, a spring retreat or something like that. And those are big opportunities for us to, to get people to convert and give their lives to Christ. Someone who once was not living for Christ now has decided, I want to I, I give my life over to Christ and live for him. Those are great ways, and that's addition. But if there's no follow-through, then, then, then we fail to get them to the point of discipleship. And what we would rather do is get them to a place of discipleship. And, and I mentioned this to the student ministry families, this concept of sticky faith. Um, simply put, it means that we want to get students and we want to get young people to have a faith that sticks with them the rest of their life. Studies show that if you reach them before they leave home, that they are far more likely to stick around with their faith. And those who have a personal relationship with Jesus are going to stick around uh, a lot longer than if we just added one at a time. And so the, the goal there is to multiply, is to develop a disciple who goes on to make disciples in their life. So I'm going to bring these students up one at a time, and, and we're going to represent if we did... Um, Addition first. So Gabriel, if you'll go ahead and come up on stage. As Gabriel comes up, this is going to represent year one. We're going to look at 10 years in, in ministry. Let's say Gabriel standing up here year one. He's decided to give his life to Jesus, and we've got a new Christian. All right, somebody else, number two, whoever it is. Micah, come on up. Micah comes on up year two. Micah decides to give his life to Christ. Now Jackson comes up forward. And then Jordan. And this is year, year four, year five, Anne Claire. Marley comes up. Andrew comes up. Jeffrey comes up, Sarah's coming up here, and Sam's coming up here. Y'all spread out behind me. After 10 years, I want you to keep looking at them because this is going to help with the visual. After 10 years, if we had 10 new Christians who have given their life to Christ, that would be great news, right? 
Does that bring a smile to your face when you, when you see somebody pass from life to death? They decide that they personally want to give their life to Christ? If 10 new of people in the course of 10 years, that would be amazing, right? I would love to see all of our students put their faith in Jesus, and that would be great. But what if we multiplied them? What if instead of just bringing Gabriel up in year one, and then the next year bringing up Micah for year two, what if I, what if I had discipled, what if we as a church and his parents and his family, his church family, what if we work together to train Gabriel to be a fully committed disciple who goes out and makes more disciples? And after a year of training, Gabriel's ready to go out and make another disciple. And after that year, they've got more people, and Micah's ready to go make another disciple, and so on and so forth down the list. If they were to multiply over the course of 10 years, and each one of them makes a new disciple each year, and then the new disciple by the end of that year is ready to go make another one. How many would we have? I want you to look around at the audience today. Look around at each other. Go ahead. Look in the balcony. Look down low. Look at everybody here. I've, I've looked at the records uh, of attendance for the past couple of weeks to see where we were at, to see how this would, would line up. We've had about 410, 415 people the last few weeks. So as you look around the audience today, add 100 to that. And after 10 years of multiplying, we would have 512 new disciples. Isn't that amazing? I want you to imagine everyone in this crowd plus 100 people trying to stand on this stage compared to those 10. Isn't that a big difference? I mean, it's so easy to just say, let's make, let's make Christians. And, and look at this group. I mean, this is a great group of kids behind me. I mean, that's a great group. But imagine if we had 512 standing on the stage. That would be amazing. Now, I want to take it one step further. Instead of 10 years, if we went to 35 years of these two strategies, and we'll talk later about this being a strategy, 35 years after addition, we'd have 35 kids on stage, right? If my math checks out. 35 years later, we'd have 35 students on stage. But if we did 35 years of multiplication, you can go ahead and go to the, the next slide and just show the, the map. So go ahead and press, press it one more time. We'd have 35 people, new Christians in the world. But if we multiplied and every one of these new disciples made a new disciple and that process continued for 35 years, you know how many, how many people we would have in the world? 17 billion I did the math over and over and over again to make sure I'm, I'm telling you the right things. If we multiplied, every year we doubled. After 35 years, we would have 17 billion Christians in the world. Not just Christians, but disciples. Fully committed, trained, prepared, fully committed followers of Jesus. Amen? I love that. I just love the thought of thinking, if we do this, this could change the world in some of our lifetimes. I asked Gabriel yesterday how old he is. He said 18. So I fast forwarded 35 years to 53. I want you to raise your hand in here if you are 53 years old or older. 53 or older, if you're willing to admit that. Look around. Okay, you can put it down. You don't, you don't have to keep it up for too long. But by that point, by 53, Gabriel could see the entire world reach for Jesus. Is that encouraging? By the time he's some of your age, by the time all these students are close to a lot of your age, we could see 17 billion people. I mean, the, the, the population's not going to grow that fast. So we'd cover the whole world in 35 years. And that's if we started with one Christian today and, and went on from this multiplication. And so um, as these students go back to their seats, I want you to look at them. And you guys can go ahead and start making your way down there. I want you to look at them and start to think, how can I be involved? How can you be involved in discipleship? This is something that we're all called to be a part of. And if we take this mission on... We could see the whole world change for Jesus in some of our lifetimes. So as I mentioned early, earlier, 
I think we all fall into two categories today. We either still need to make the decision to become a disciple, or we've already made that decision and now it's our turn to make more disciples. So I want you to think about how we can do this, how you can be involved in that, and I, and I pray that this is encouraging in the, the second part of this lesson. I mentioned on stage, while the, while the students were up here, that this is a strategy. This is, this is not, not necessarily a math equation, but Jesus had a plan. Jesus had a strategy, and as Christians, we always look to the example of Jesus, right? That should be who we always look to. And when we think about Jesus, we probably think about some amazing things that Jesus did. We think about some of the miracles. I've got some miracles up on the screen here. Uh, you can go ahead and yeah, go to the next one. Uh, Jesus walked on water. He fed the 5,000. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He, he healed people who were um, sick. He, he gave sight to the blind and so on and so forth. There are so many miracles and amazing things that Jesus did, right? That's typically what we think of when we look at Jesus' life and we think, wow, he impacted the world in an amazing way. But I think that oftentimes we don't give enough attention or credit to the discipleship that he did. I want to make the case today that what Jesus did investing in 12 men and ultimately those followers that st stayed around him, that's what impacted the world far more than the times that he did miracles, far more than the big crowds that he spoke to because he invested in, in some people that took it to their lives and to their circles of influences and their families and their friends and spread it further and further around the world. And so Jesus knew that, that he could draw big crowds, uh, but he knew that it wouldn't last. Jesus knew that ultimately they were following him for different reasons. In John 6, Jesus talks about how they were following him for, for physical food, food that spoils. And Jesus said, instead, pursue food that, that, that gives eternal life. Um, to, to strive after Jesus, not after just a, an amazing sign or something like that. And so... Um, I pray that as, as we look, about this, look at this today, we look at Jesus' example, and we realize that Jesus knew the plan that was going to sustain, the plan that was going to make Christians and, and disciples that were going to last to the impact that we're still seeing today of, of this, effect, this effect was by making disciples. So now if you go back to the last slide, Jacob, um, I hope that this is an encouragement to you that um, right now in the student ministry on Sundays, we're going through a series titled Ordinary People and God's Extraordinary Story. And I hope that you're encouraged to realize and to remember something you, you already know. A lot of you already know this and um, have heard this your whole life. But God used people just like you and I. Jesus took 12 ordinary, unschooled men, and he changed the world with them through their obedience and the power of God. He took regular people like you and I, flawed people like me and you. God doesn't have to do that. He could do this all on his own. He can make everyone a Christian right now. But that's not how he chooses to work. He chooses to let people like you and I play a big part, like a, a really big part of reaching the world for Jesus. And sometimes I wonder why. And, and I know that some of you have asked that question. Why would he, some of our students have asked recently, why would God let people like us be a part of his plan when he knows we're going to mess up? And I don't have the answer to that. But I know that he does. I know that he lets you and I go out in our daily lives and have opportunities to share Jesus with other people. And if we take that on, then I think we could um, make a big difference. I want you to look at Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Um, this is when Peter and John were, were preaching boldly, and it says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Man, I don't know if that hits you the way that it that hits me, but when I, when I read that verse, I love the part that says, they had been with Jesus. They took note that they had been with Jesus. 
And I ask myself and I ask you today, could people say that about us? Could people look at Jackson's life and say, wow, he's, he's been around Jesus. He's been spending some time with Jesus. Could they look at your life and say, I can tell something's different about you. You have been with Jesus. Something has changed in you. Um, but the truth is, God wants us to serve. He wants willing servants, not perfect people. I'll say that again. I think God wants willing servants, not perfect people. He doesn't need you to be perfect. He just needs you to be you. He just needs you to be willing to be used however he can use you. So there was only one perfect person. It was Jesus. And he said something that, that kind of, um, it's, it's hard to wrap your mind around at first, but I think many of you have probably spent time thinking about it. In John 14, Jesus said, Whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. Have you ever wondered, how is that possible? <laughs> We looked at that list of things that Jesus did, and he fed the 5,000 and healed all these people and did these amazing miracles, and he said, those who believe in me will do greater things than these. I remember the first time I read that, and I was like, um, I mean, I know God's always right, but I don't, I don't get that one. I don't know how that's possible. I don't know how we're going to be able to do greater things than Jesus. That just seems, that seems wrong. It seems unfathomable. But I think that what he's talking about is the impact geographically and over time that Christians were able to have because Jesus was about to, when he said that, he was about to go to heaven and send the Holy Spirit down to the earth. And the Holy Spirit now lives inside of believers that is working and active in our world and in our daily lives. And so we're able to influence more people than Jesus was able to do. And so I think that happens through making disciples. And in James chapter 1, let's, let's, let's make it practical as, as we start to wrap up here today, as we start to dive towards the ending. James says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. We know what the, the mission is. We know the Great Commission. We've talked about it. You've, you've heard it. A lot of you have grown up in the church and you know that. But that doesn't mean anything until we do it. Um, Francis Chan, who I mentioned earlier, he, he tells a story about his daughter. And he said, he went to his daughter. He said, what if I went to her and I said, hey, Rachel, go clean your room. And 20 minutes later, he comes back in to check on her, and he said, hey, did you clean your room? She said, Dad, I remember it exactly. I memorized exactly what you said. You said, hey, Rachel, go clean your room. And he's like, that wasn't the point. And she said, no, no, no. I can even say it in Greek, too. <laughs> that wasn't the point. She said, no, no, I'm going to invite some friends over, and we're going to have a study about what it would look like if I cleaned my room. And he says, that's not the point. She knew that the point was to actually do it. And Francis Chan's point there, he said that we're all going to face God one day, and when we get to heaven, do we want to say, God, I, I knew how to say it. I could quote it. I heard a sermon about it. I knew what I was supposed to do. Or do we want to get to heaven and say, I was a part of it. I did it. I, I did all that I could to invest in, in my friends, my family, my neighbors, people that I could show love to. I was a part of discipleship. I gave what I could to this. I pray that that is an encouragement today. And so the good news... That, that should encourage you. I mentioned this earlier. I want this to be an encouraging sermon for you. Um, so the good news is that there are so many ways that we can be involved in discipleship. And there are so many of you already doing a lot of these ways, or doing a lot of these things, sometimes unintentionally and a lot of times intentionally. The way that you live your life, for example, a lot of you are parents, and the way you are raising your children is honoring to God and it's teaching them how to serve God and how to love God. And I see that. I'm not a parent yet. But I see you being a parent, and I see the way that you are modeling that for your kids. And a lot of you are grandparents. And, and I've learned from my parents that being a grandparent is, is way more fun than, in, than being a parent. 
they get to do some of the babysitting without having to go home and, and be the bad cop. They get to, to be the good ones, but they get to invest and show them love. And I see my parents, you know, bring joy to, to my nieces. And a lot of you are investing that way. A lot of you in your daily lives, you're good people. You are good reflections of Jesus. You're kind to people. And you have opportunities every day to be a good person, to be a good example to somebody. And sometimes little interactions like that can go a long way. And so another part of good news is that look around one more time. Look around here. We're all on the same team. We're all on the same team and we're all on the same mission. It's called the Great Co-Mission. We're on this mission together. And, and sometimes it can, it can feel like a burden to think, I don't know if I can do all this. I don't want to preach. I, I get nervous every time I come up and speak up here and I am so thankful that Randy does this the other 51 weeks of the year or, or majority of them, not me. But, but you just need to serve in your role. The way that God has gifted you and the opportunities God has gifted you is, is what really matters. So let me give you an example of something uh, on a day like today, the ripple effect that, that could affect discipleship in little ways. Somebody could have invited somebody here to church today and somebody else greets them at the door with a smile. I love that we have greeters. Um, and then somebody else scoots over in their row and makes room for them. And then somebody else leads a prayer and, and models an example of how we can talk to God. And then your voice. Some of you lift up your voice in, in worship, and that sounds beautiful, and that's encouraging and uplifting to this guest who's here. And then somebody like Randy or, or whoever's speaking will, will give good news and preach good news and truth to them. And then somebody will pour them a cup of hot coffee that's already been made for them in, in the fellowship time. And then somebody says hey to them in class and makes them feel included, makes them feel like they've been seen, like they, they're valued. And somebody invites them to church. I mean, that's just a few hours on one day of the opportunities that we as a church have here, not to mention all the opportunities we have at school and at work and in the grocery store and the gas station, the way that we treat people. We have so many opportunities and, and, and you know, examples that we can share love to other people, and I really think that they all have an impact on discipleship. And so eventually that guest may see Jesus in us. They may see Christ in us and decide that they want to know more about that. They may decide that they want to give their life to Christ and join the team of disciples who makes more disciples. And, and then when that happens, they're on board. They're on the team who's going out there and multiplying and making more and more disciples, and we get closer to 17 billion. And so let me tell you a story, and then and I'll make my last points here. I've got a friend, or I had a friend growing up that I'm still friends with now. Um, his story is, is one of my all-time favorites. It's a quick go-to story about discipleship and how easy this can be. I played football in middle school, and my dad said, hey, Jackson, go, go see if anybody wants to come to church today. I didn't think much of it. I didn't think anyone would say yes. I went back to the team and said, hey, guys, anybody want to come to church tonight? My dad said, we'll give you a ride. That was about as casual as it could be, about as what you would expect a sixth-grade boy to, to sound like. And one friend, Casey, says, yeah, I'll come. i got nothing going on tonight. So Casey decides to come. And Casey shows up, and he, and he likes what he, you know, experienced there at church. And he liked the people, and it's something that he had kind of missed out. His family wasn't going to church at the time. And so Casey decided he wanted to stick around. And all through middle school, Casey got involved in the youth group as much as anybody else. And then through high school, Casey started developing and training to be a disciple, and he started growing in his faith to the point where he was teaching classes by the time he graduated. He was teaching the middle school class, the, the, the high school class sometimes. He was getting opportunities to share his faith and to to become a disciple. Casey goes on to study at Harding to become a youth minister and gets a job in youth ministry 
and is now speaking to, to hundreds of people and has spoken to so many people. He's been to India and different places around the world where he has shared the gospel. And that all just started with my dad saying, hey, Jackson, go, go ask somebody if they want to come to church. Sometimes that's as easy as it is. Sometimes that's all it takes is to say, ask somebody about God. Ask somebody if they want to come to church with you. Invite them to small group. Invite them to a Bible study. Invite them to lunch. And maybe you open it with a, a relationship. One of my favorite quotes is that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. People like these students in, in the student ministry, they don't care what I know about the Bible or if I know anything about the Bible unless they know that I care about them. People want to know that they're valued. People want to know that you have their best interest in mind, not that you're just trying to convert them. When we truly love people and care for them, then we will offer them the best news that we could ever offer them, which is the good news of Jesus. And you never know how God will use that. So here we are at the end, and this is one of my favorite things to say anytime I get to speak, because I feel passionate about this. I think that everybody in this room has a unique circle of influence and opportunities daily that no one else has. You know, friends, families, coworkers, classmates, strangers that you will see that I will never see and people that I'll see that you'll never see. This is the beauty of the church. As I look out to you guys, this is the thing that gets me excited and, and makes me smile that I know you're going to go to four or five hundred different places this week and interact with different people and you each have opportunities, not just this week, but for the rest of your life to influence people for God. And as we do that, every one of those interactions has a chance to impact eternity. We talked about that this summer with the youth group, and, and, and that gets me excited to think every interaction that you have, I truly believe every interaction you have has the opportunity to impact eternity. So every smile you give, every kind interaction you have, every time you invest in discipleship, it has the potential to influence eternity. And somebody that you're discipling today may eventually tell somebody around the world about Jesus. You never know how God's going to use that. So that's my encouragement for you today. I pray that um, you're encouraged by this lesson. And, and remember that only God can change somebody's heart, but he allows us to be a part of his great mission, this wonderful mission called the Great Commission. And so um, I pray that you'll take that on. Consider what you're already doing to be a disciple. If you, have, if you haven't given that uh, commitment or made that commitment to be a disciple, here's the invitation for you today. I pray that you would do that. Uh, I know some of you listening may have not given your life to Christ yet, and I pray that you talk to somebody that you love about that, and then you... you uh, Take that seriously because that's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I know by looking at, at you guys, most of you have already made that decision. For those of us who have made that decision, let's go. We're on the team. It's time for us to go make disciples. And so if there's any way we can help, I pray that you would keep pouring into discipleship. Uh, if there's anything you need today, if you'd like to get baptized, give your life to Christ. There's no better day than today. So if you would, let's stand as we sing.